Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. My partner Terry Barber is out doing some apostolic work. I'm here with Paul Clay. We are two man car. Welcome, Paul, to the Terry and Jesse Show. Thanks for hosting, brother. Yeah, no problem, Jess. We're we're in a two man car on the Terry and Jesse Show too, huh? That's right. Uh, and uh, we got we got a lot to talk about today. Let me just mention first of all that the month of February in the Catholic Church. Every month in the Catholic Church is dedicated to a different aspect of Catholic life. The month of February is dedicated to the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And so this is a devotion that goes back to the 17th century uh, in Catholic households where we try to model ourselves based on the virtues of Joseph, uh, St. Joseph, the Blessed Mother, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It was uh, the nativity set was actually invented uh, as a Christmas ornament by St. Francis of Assisi back in the 12th and 13th century. So Catholics have always have always had this devotion to the Holy Family. One of the things that I do with my my morning and evening prayers, when I end my prayers, I'll say, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you, save souls. So I just share that with you. That's that's a good way to end your prayers in the morning and in the evening, especially in the month of February. By ending, say, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you, save souls. Before we go to the Gospels, I want to talk about some good news. I received an email from a listener, uh, Erica, her name's Erica, and she says, I want to share some, some good news that's happening here in Fresno. About 60 kids from St. Anthony of Padua School in Fresno, they're part of the Fresno Diocese, <laughs> protested today against wearing masks. Of mm. course. Of course they didn't really have much support from the principal, and most of the teachers were very upset with the children for protesting, some of them even punishing and segregating them. The principal has been very compliant with, with CDC protocols. Of course, the Fresno Diocese uh, has not taken a stand at all either. Anyway, the reason I mention this, the caller says, or the listener, is because... She says, you know, she's just basically proud of her children for uh, for the, the fact that they've acted like young Americans and, and they've stood up for their constitutional rights. Uh, and, and so I just wanted to mention that that not only are adults having a problem with this around the country, around the world, you have children now speaking out saying, I don't want to wear masks no more. Take it off. So so Paul, from from the mouth of babes, we continue we continue hearing the truth. Well, yeah. Listen, I, I, I really feel for a lot of those students in school. Uh, Jess, imagine growing up wearing a mask in school. I mean, it, it, it dehumanizes dehuma, it them. You know what I mean? It, uh, it's, it's sad. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's refreshing to hear that people are finally saying enough is enough. And it doesn't, you know, negate the fact that uh, we understand that, you know, COVID-19 was a serious thing and that there are people who are at high risk, but um, uh, they're certainly not in that category. And we we need to get rid of the one size fits all mentality. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Hey, I want to jump into today's, today's gospel, Paul. We'll go back and forth and it's, it's a rather long gospel in the gospel of St. Mark. Let me read it and then we'll just uh, go back and forth. But we got a lot of exciting things to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about the way the Chinese government is trying to rewrite the Bible. Did you know that? Uh, we're also going to yeah. talk about, about uh, a good article by Eric Sammons. He's a convert to the Catholic Church, editor of Crisis Magazine. He, he's wrote an article. It's called 
Pachamama did this. And I think he's tracking in the right direction. We, uh, well, I, 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 I feel, I, I definitely feel uh, a kindred spirit in, in what he writes in that article. And then we're going to talk about some good news about Starbucks is banking on the fact of a Catholic saint, a Catholic saint invented cappuccino, and uh, Starbucks is making millions of dollars out of what a Catholic saint invented. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but today's gospel, Saint Mark chapter nine, verse fourteen to twenty-nine. As Jesus came down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and approached the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. Notice in that verse, Jesus comes down with Peter, James, and John. Of the twelve apostles, uh, these are these three are his inner circle. Of all the twelve, these three are with the Lord Jesus Christ in the most important times of his earthly ministry. Now it says, Immediately on seeing him, the whole crowd was utterly amazed. They ran up to him and greeted him, and he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I have brought to you my son, possessed by a mute spirit. So the word possession is used in the Bible. And notice that it says here that th this uh, possessing demon was a mute spirit. There's, there's essentially, according to the experts in the field of exorcism, there's, there's two ways, there's two principal types of demons that cause demonic possession. One is called a clousy demon, and the other one's called an aperty demon. These are Latin words. So what's a clousy demon? That's a demon that causes the to possessed person to close their eyes. Or sometimes they'll have them; their, their eyes will roll back. They enter into a trance. Uh, an aperta demon will cause a possessed person to open his eyes while in a trance and give looks of anger and rage and speak a great deal. Aperta demons mm. are loquacious and they're violent demons. And oftentimes you need people to hold down the person. The clousy demon, these are again, the one that puts a person in a trance, the possessed closes their eyes or their, their eyes roll back. Uh, the clousy demon will will speak after some time of prayer, but always without opening their eyes, and, and oftentimes they're completely mute. Let's continue on the story. It says, Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at his mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So there you see uh, several aspects of, of what's called the physical manifestations of diabolical possession. They're written down right there. Thrown down to the floor, foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, becomes rigid. Those are, those are external manifestations of demonic possession. We would call that, this is when the demon appropriates the physical senses of the person. It's described right there in the New Testament. It reads, I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they were unable to do so. He said to them in reply, O faithless generation, how long will, will I be with you? How long will I endure you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, the spirit immediately threw the boy into convulsions. Again, that's another sign of a demonic manifestation where the demon will appropriate the physical senses of the male or the female. And in this instance, one of the things that a demon will do in a manifestation is convulsions. So it would look like it looks like a grand mal seizure, but it's not. But it mimics a grand mal seizure. 
It says here, as he fell to the ground, he began to roll around and foam at the mouth. Again, these are demonic manifestations, the physical signs where you can see the, the, the preternatural activity of a demon in a human body. It says, then he questioned his father, how long has this been happening to him? He replied, since childhood. It has often thrown him into the fire and into water to kill him. So notice the father's telling our, our Lord Jesus Christ that this demon has been attacking his son since he was a, a child and he's always trying to, trying to kill him. This is exactly the end game of a demon. The end game of a demon is homicide or suicide. The Bible reads, But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can, everything is, impossible, is possible to one who has faith. Then the boy's father cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. By the way, that little prayer, I say that every... When I go to Mass at the consecration, right after the first elevation, I say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Second elevation, when the precious blood of Jesus is raised, I say, I say it softly under my breath, I say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. In other words, I'm asking Jesus at the moment of consecration to give me the grace to believe even more, to, 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 to go further in my interior life and to believe in the real presence even more and more. Then it says, Jesus, on seeing a crowd rapidly gathering, rebuked the unclean spirit. That means, that means to speak against, rebuke the unclean spirit. That's a demon. And said to it, mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. So we just saw right there. That's called an imprecatory prayer where Jesus prayed by his own authority and he drove out a demon. And notice, when Jesus drives out a demon, they never come back and never come back again. Then the Bible says, shouting and throwing the boy into convulsions, it came out. He became like a corpse, which caused many to say he's dead. But Jesus took him by his hand, raised him up, and he stood up. When he entered the house, his disciples asked him in private, why could we not drive up, why could we not drive up, drive this spirit out? He said to them, this, this, this kind can only come out through prayer. And most, most Greek manuscripts say, and fasting. In most other Bibles, it'll say, it cannot be driven out other than by prayer and fasting. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Praise Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. For some of you that are interested in this topic, to want to know the difference between mental illness and diabolical possession, there's a great book written by a Catholic doctor. It's, it's right here. By Sophia Press. It's called uh, True or False Possession. True or False Possession. It's a thin book. It's written by Dr. Jean Lamerti. And he distinguishes... He, he goes through the aspects that distinguish between, between diabolical possession and mental illness. So for those of you that want a great read into this topic, it's a book from Sophia, Sophia Press. It's called True or False Possession. Paul, comments? Ah, I hear the music. Coming up next, we're going to talk about how the Chinese government is trying to rewrite the Bible with communist principles. Jesus 911, stick around. You'll hear, you'll hear more soul food up next. Soul food. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. There's always been people that have hated the Bible. Um, for example, during the Crusades, when the Muslims would come into a Christian city, they, they would ransack the churches 
and they would take all the holy books, specifically the Holy Bible, and they would burn them. Uh, you also have you also have Francis Voltaire. He was a French secular intellectual, secular humanist. He hated the Catholic Church and he hated the Holy Bible. In fact, uh, he 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 actually bragged one day. He said in he said back in 1778. He said in 100 years this book, the Bible, will be forgotten and eliminated. Uh, you also have again you have Satanists hate the Holy Bible as well. Well, we an, another group joins the haters of God's word. They are the CCP, the communists. The communist government is trying to rewrite the Bible with communist principles. Surprise, surprise. There's a good Protestant Christian group that tracks persecution of Christians. They're called the Voice of the Martyrs. And they're warning us that the Chinese government is currently trying to rewrite the Word of God in accordance with communist values. The spokesman for the Voice of Martyrs says, this is a project that the Chinese communists, they announced this in 2019, at the time they said it would be about a 10-year process to release a new translation of the Bible. And uh, Todd Middleton, he noted that the reimagined scriptures, yep, reimagined, the reimagined scriptures would include a variety of principles, including Confucianism and Buddhism. And this new translation of the Bible would really support the Communist Party, said Ted Nettleton, spokesman of Voice for the Martyrs. In a recent post on Facebook, Voice of the Martyrs pointed out that the Chinese Communist Party's revision of the Bible will include, quote, core socialist values, close quote, and the removal of passages that, quote, do not reflect communist beliefs, close quote. Paul, you know what's kind of funny? This reminds me of what John the Apostle wrote in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verse 18, or 22. Revelation chapter 22, verse 18, John the Apostle says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Close quote. I know the context is actually talking about the book of Revelation, John is, but you can make the argument uh, that not only should you not tinker with the words of the book of Revelation, you can also, you can also uh, amplify that interpretation and say that God doesn't want you to mess with any book of the Holy Bible. Paul, what say you? I can't hear Paul. I can't hear Paul. Okay, I can't hear him. I'll, Paul, come in right now. I just can't hear him. But let me continue. <clears throat> so, go ahead and talk, Paul, whenever you can. And let me know when you're back on. So, <clears throat> one example of the changes that are going to be revealed in a high school textbook released in September 2020. In the textbook, the CCP changed several verses in John chapter 8. Voice of the Martyrs said in a social media post, as the biblical story goes, Jesus forgives an adulterous woman despite the Pharisees' call to stone her to death under Mosaic law. So the Chinese Communist Party's translation of the Bible, however, alters the story where Christ ends up stoning the woman as he admitted, quote, I am also a sinner, close quote. 
So Ed Nettleton told Faithwire that he found it shocking that the rewritten passage diminishes the divinity of Christ in the Communist Chinese Bible. In one sense, it's just like so arrogant to think, I'm going to rewrite the story of Jesus. But when you think about denying the deity of Christ, I mean, if Jesus is a sinner, then he's not God. And that's exactly what the new Communist Chinese Bible, rewritten after 10 years of labor, this is what they want to do. They want to demythologize the divinity of Jesus Christ. This Chinese Bible obviously is not going to be worth uh it's not going to be worth a hill of beans for any Christian. But unfortunately it's going to be it's going to be forced upon our Christian brothers in communist China, probably in Catholic liturgy and uh and certainly in Protestant Bible studies uh that are tracked by the Chinese government. Paul, are you there? Okay, I can't hear Paul. Well, I'll continue till he's able to come on. So, uh, I can hear you, Paul. Comments? You probably heard a lot, uh, uh, a lot of things that I've said. Well, Ed Nettleton went on to note that the purpose of the revisions is to demonstrate the CCP's attempt to lessen Christianity's influence on some of its citizens. The issue for the Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party's control, it's always been about control. Ed Nettleton from Voice of the Martyr said... And they see the Christian message as something that would take control away from the Communist Party. So, Paul, the, the Chinese, they are afraid of God's word. They believe that God's word is so powerful that it, it, that it has a negative effect against people, uh, against the Communist people, that they may convert to Christianity and may live in freedom as sons and daughters of God and reject tyranny. What say you, Paul? All right, Jess. Can you hear me now? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but the enemy's uh, definitely uh, at work. He's active today. He's active today. He's active today. Well, listen, um, it's this isn't the first time that people have had to try uh, that uh, attempted to try to change the word of God. And we know that the word of God uh, is perfection. It, it can't change, Jess. Uh, so, uh, yeah, when you were talking about how you could, you know, take that uh, passage in Revelation and apply it to the Bible at large, of course, because it's the word of God. Uh, not one jot, not one tittle of that word will change until all these things come to be. So, um, listen, the Chinese Communist Party, um, uh, you know, it, it's a futile attempt. And I think just that... Uh, uh, I'm going to make a prediction and say that some of those people who are attempting to read the Bible and make those changes will end up getting converted. <laughs> mm. That's going to be my that's going to be my prediction, uh, uh, because that's that's what God does. You know, uh, when you when you spend time and you take in the word of God, uh, you can't not, uh, you know, contemplate those things. And I always say the truth rings true and for those people that are attempting to pervert the word of god i'm going to make a prediction and say that we're going to get some conversions going on uh from some uh, uh party personnel uh the other thing is is um um you know it, it, once again the true bible will be circulating underground um it's a sad state of affairs when when you understand that uh, under this pontificate and I and I hate to say this, but, you know, um, uh, you know, they reached out to the Communist Party 
and established an agreement with them, you know, basically essentially saying that, um, you know, any bishops, you know, in communist China would be uh, have the approval of the Communist Party first. And just you and I both know the Communist Party is atheistic to the core. And so they can't be uh, trusted. They can't be trusted. Yeah, and 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 communism is you know is is basically a form of uh, um, they're atheists, you know, and so which, which is no... Lucifer, it's Luciferian because remember, what's the modus operandi of Lucifer? I will not serve. I will not serve God. Yeah, yeah. in other words, and 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 the and the Luciferian phrase that's found in the Satanic Bible is, "Do what I will." That is the whole of the law. That's right. atheism, Paul. Right. Do what you yeah. feel like doing. That's the whole yes. of the law. Yeah, that's atheism. Yes. And that's Luciferian. Yes. yes. And, and don't forget, there's a disdain that Lucifer has for mankind. Why? We bear the Imago Dei, you know, and that, you know, you know, he looks at us like a lower order of creation in the sense that, that you know, he, he hates the fact that, that God has, uh, you know, uh, given us this incredible grace that we actually bear the image of God and he'll do anything to mar that image. And if he can get man to serve just other men in the sense of uh, like in, in the Communist Party, you know, whatever the Communist Party says, which is atheistic to the core, like we, we just mentioned, uh, 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 he has basically um, uh, caused us to um, just mar that image that much further that's right paul even the old testament talks about not messing with god's word revelation twenty two eighteen, which i just quoted but there's also an old testament passage where moses says the same thing to the israelites it's in deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2 the bible says moses writes you shall not add to the word which i command you nor take from it yeah. that you may keep the commandments of the lord your god which i command you so Moses and John the Apostle, both both bookends, the first five books, Deuteronomy and, and the last book, both books tell us don't add or subtract from the word of God. Paul, even, even Martin Luther, the, the first Protestant reformer who was a Catholic priest, even he understood the debt that he owed to the Catholic Church for God's word. Let me quote Luther in his own words. Luther said this, back in 1528 he said quote we are we are obliged to yield many things to those catholics that they possess the word of god which we receive from them otherwise we should have known nothing at all about it close quote so luther is admitting that christians owe their bible to the efforts of the catholic church we're talking about the chinese communist government they want to write, rewrite the bible uh, give us an, give the the Catholics and Protestants another Bible that comports with uh, communist socialism. And, and it's it's uh, Ed Nettleton went on to say from Voice of the Martyrs, he went on to note that the purpose of the revisions is to demonstrate the CCP's attempt to lessen Christianity's influence on some of its citizens. The issue for the Chinese Communist Party is control. It's always about control. Ed Nettleton explained. And they see the Christian message as something that would take control away from the Communist Party. The voice of the martyr spokesperson, he added that the Chinese government's goal 
is for people to wake up every day and ask, how can I serve the Communist Party today? How can I be a good communist today? So amid the CCP's revisions of the scriptures and a lack of unaltered Bibles, Voice of the Martyr hopes to send more copies of God's Word to fellow believers in China. And that's one of the reasons why Voice of the Martyrs and other groups are so committed to delivering Bibles into China, even smuggling Bibles into China, because they're not available. And uh, Voice of the Martyrs spokesman, Ed Nettleton, said, he's, he's a, they're Protestants, he said, one of the things I hope about this new translation is that it will backfire and people will wonder, why was it so important for the Chinese government to retranslate the Bible? Why was it so important for them to change this? Who knows? It may get people curious to read the real Bible and they may give their life to Jesus Christ. Up next, we're going to talk about the Pachamama Idol. Great article written by Eric Sammons from Crisis Magazine. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Pachamama did this. That's the title of the article by Eric Sammons, uh, editor for Crisis Magazine. He writes, When the story of COVID is one day told, Historians will speculate as to the cause of both the virus itself and the worldwide reaction to it. The hubris of playing with nature in our labs will surely be mentioned. Many historians will likely emphasize the sociological implications of fear on a massive scale. And of course, one cannot ignore the growing authoritarianism that found a spark to light its fuse. However, what I believe is the root cause will most likely remain hidden. Pachamama. You read that correctly. I believe that COVID pandemic, that the COVID pandemic and the horrific response to it were directly caused by the veneration of this pagan idol in the Vatican by prelates, priests, and lay people. In October 2019, a false idol was set up in the heart of the Catholic Church and soon after, all hell broke loose on earth. Bishops worldwide, lo- worldwide locked the doors of our churches. The dying were denied last rites. Catholics could not find priests to hear confessions. Governments forced citizens into lockdowns. Children were forcibly masked for hours each day. The unvaccinated was treated like lepers. Small, businesses o- small business owners lost their life's work with the stroke of a governor's pen? Would this have happened if Pachamama had been kept out of Rome? I do not think so. The justifications for the Pachamama incident are weak. We were told it was actually the Blessed Virgin Mary, the supposed Our Lady of the Amazon, close quote. Then we were told it actually was Pachamama, but that it wasn't venerated as an idol. It was just an act of enculturation. That might have fooled a few naive Catholics, but God is not mocked. Also, Father Mitch Paquin, EWTN, who's a Jesuit, he said, he says, My eyes don't lie to me. I know what I saw. That was an idol 
And that was an act of idolatry. <laughs> that was Father Mitch Paco to his uh, 60 million viewers on EWTN. Also, Cardinal Raymond Burke has weighed in on, on this topic. He has said that the Pachamama idol and this uh, invitation of the Pachamama idol in the sacred ground has opened the door to demons. Back to Eric Salmon's article, he says, Now to modern sophisticated folks, I know blaming COVID on Pachamama sounds like nonsense. After all, people with master's degrees in theology aren't supposed to think like this. We're supposed to understand that God is a loving God and the world doesn't work in such simplistic ways. Uh, we are, we are, he says, we have a scientific understanding of the world now and we know a few people gathering around a small wooden object can't impact the rest of the world, right? The ancient Jews would have scoffed at our skepticism. Even a cursory reading of the Old Testament shows that the ancient Israelites, or at least the sacred authors, saw a direct connection between the, the unfaithfulness, particularly idolatry, and worldly problems. And conversely, when the Israelites were faithful, earthly prosperity followed. I can hear Paul. Yeah. Paul, I'm sharing the article of the Pachamama by Eric Sammons, and he's making some real, real good points. So you, any, you have any comments? Yeah, great article. Um, you know, again, this is things we talk about all the time, both on Jesus and I know you and Terry talk about it on this show, Jess. Um, there is definitely a link between um, religious idolatry. Uh, there's th th that unfaithfulness. I mean, the whole... Uh, when you understand that uh, the saga of, 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 of the, you know, man, the fall of man to his eventual redemption, you know, in the old in the Old Testament, God depicts Himself as the bridegroom, and the and the church is His bride, and uh, so when you have uh, the you know uh, the members of the church, God's people, Yahweh, the people of God, whether in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. And you have this unfaithfulness, Jess. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's 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 like having a spouse who's unfaithful to you. I mean, you know, that's the, that's the best way we can relate it to. I mean, imagine being married to someone that you love and cherish, and that person is unfaithful to you. And that's exactly what God feels when um, when 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 we become unfaithful to Him, and with that comes with that unfaithfulness comes uh, ugliness. So like, just think about a, a regular marriage. Um, uh, if a spouse is unfaithful, uh, the whole family falls apart. Everybody around you who's in your orbit begins to suffer. And so that is a microcosm or a picture or a type and a shadow of this spiritual reality that you know, when we are unfaithful to God in this way, uh, there are consequences, Jess, and these consequences uh, uh, are are, uh, are painful. Mm. Yep, I'm tracking with you, Paul. Uh, Eric Sammons, he writes here. He says, "This is not a prosper a proto prosperity gospel. 
if you pray a lot, you're not going to mirac- you're not going to miraculously make a million dollars. And if you tell a lie at work, you're not suddenly going to be stricken with cancer. But the Israelites believed, like just like you were saying, Paul, if God's people reject him in the dramatic and clear manner that is idolatry, he might very well withhold his protection from them. Lest we channel our inner Marcion. Marcion was a heretic. He denied the Old Testament as the word of God. That's called the heresy of Marcionism. Lest we channel our inner Marcion and think that such beliefs were to be discarded with the coming of Christ, St. Paul tells the Romans that, that to those who exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man or birds or animals or reptiles, God gave them up to their impurity and sin. More specifically, St. Paul says that, quote, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the wickedness of men. All this is found in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. The wrath of God did not disappear after the resurrection. Mm. And many, many Catholics today resist associating sin with terrible events unless they are directly connected, you know, uh, such as a man murdering his wife. After all, Christ made it clear that someone born with a physical defect, such as blindness, was not due to his sins or the sins of one of his parents. John chapter 9, verse 2 says, It was not this man this, that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. Close quote. In other words, God did not punish the man with blindness because he or his parents did something wrong. However, people often misinterpret God, Christ's words to mean that our sins cannot cause unrelated bad things to happen. This is not what our Lord's words mean. He is making clear that although natural defects are part of this fallen world, our specific sins are not the cause of specific natural defects, such as blindness or deafness, but that does not mean major bad events are unrelated to our corporate sins as, as, as the people of God. Today, many of us perceive God as an overindulgent father, one who looks the other way at our sins. This is not the God of the Bible, however. Yes, the true God is always willing to forgive our sins but when we come to Him, but He does not prevent negative consequences for our actions. The father of the prodigal son allowed his son to wallow with the pigs so that, so that he could recognize his sins. So what is the connection between our corporate sins and the evil around the world, occurring in the world? St. Paul alluded to it. God can, and often does, withhold his protection when we reject him. And one thing that the sacred scriptures makes clear is that idolatry is the worst way to reject God. The first commandment, to have no other gods before God is the first for a reason because it's the most important. Idolatry is the ultimate rejection of God and as I've, as I've already noted, God is not mocked. Perhaps God would not have allowed the COVID virus to escape from a Wuhan lab. Perhaps he would have allowed government leaders to recognize and promote early treatments for COVID that were instead suppressed. Perhaps God would have let church leaders better understand the spiritual devastation that would be caused by a fearful response and give them courage, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. God withholds his protection, not out of spiteful anger, but out of a sense of mercy. When we become so arrogant as humans and unruly, that will play with idolatry in our most sacred places, we need to be humbled. 
We need to see what the world is like when we follow false gods rather than one, than, rather than the one true God. And this is what it's, it's like. Pain, desperation, suffering, and spiritual desolation. Religious leaders who abandon us and political leaders who hate us. That's the natural consequence of idolatry. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. I'm on with Paul Clay. He's having some trouble making a connection. My partner Terry Barber is out doing some apostolic work. Eric Sammons wrote a great article. It's called, Pachamama Did This. And basically, he's showing theologically that when we fall into idolatry, which we have, the Pachamama event was an act of idolatry. And also the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, that New Testament idolatry is the love of money and sexual immorality. So guess what? We're all guilty. The entire human race, especially as Americans, were guilty of the idolatry, the New Testament idolatry, which is the love of money and sexual promiscuity. And so, when that happens, God withholds His protection. We'll continue on this topic and we'll talk about also the fact that Starbucks success owes itself to a saintly warrior monk. We'll be right back. Stick around. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back at the Terry and Jesse Show. My partner Terry's out doing some apostolic work. Uh, we're talking about this article written by Eric Sammons called Pachamama Did This. Very well written. Let me just quote the last two paragraphs, then I'll turn it over to Paul to get a response from him. Eric writes, Placing the evil done in the name of COVID over the past two years at the feet of Pachamama does not excuse those who, who executed that evil. People are still responsible for their sins, and they have, they have free will to choose good over evil, but the graces needed to prevent evil on a massive scale might well have been withheld so that we might be humbled and recognize our desperate need for God. So what can we do? How can we get out of this mess that we've created? Number one, reparation. Catholics must do reparation prayer for the sins of idolatry, particularly the Pachamama veneration. Individual Catholics and clergy must do it, but most of all, our bishops and our Pope must do this reparation, beg for forgiveness for mocking God, ask Him for mercy, prayer, penance, sackcloth, and ashes. This is the way forward for a sinful, idolatrous people. Then maybe, just maybe, God will allow the COVID madness to end fully and completely. Paul, that's a well-written article. What's your comments on what Eric Simons has just written? That's a man who understands um, really the role of the Catholic Mass and the Catholic Church uh, and the essential role that the Church plays in the, in the destiny of mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so as an example, when uh, we were, you know, in this pandemic and the and the sacraments were denied um the sacraments were denied uh you know the churches were closed and 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 people were denied the sacraments that was no little thing 
that was I, I'm going to say that that was a form of chastisement, and mm-hmm. I, you know because Jess, there are a lot of sacrilegious there is a lot of sacrilegious activity that goes on with the with the reception of the sacraments, and at some point, um, God, you know, if you take the sacraments away, if you take the the holy mass away, there is nothing that will restrain the evil. And by the way, uh, we need sacraments as individuals because the sacraments communicate grace to us. And you see, what God has called us to do is to live a supernatural life. Mm -hmm. It is impossible to live a life pleasing to God outside of being in a state of grace. And that state of grace is made possible through the sacraments of God. That is the normal way that God provides grace to us through the sacraments. And that is the big difference, by the way, between, um, I mean, when you compare a Protestant, quote, end quote, worship service, you know, which is essentially a Bible study and singing some, you know, praise songs to God. The difference between that and a Catholic mass where Jesus Christ uh the Lord of glory, uh, the once and for all sacrifice is represented mm-hmm. uh, to God and, by the way, offered to the people for here and now to bring a, a forgiveness for our sins. This is the purpose of the sacraments, the heart of the, the, you know, the sacraments, and this is what we need. And I think Salmons is, is touching on all this and understanding that, listen, these things that we do that seemingly have no connection, they really are connected. And this is what we uh, we need to realize. And like you said, it's about reparation for sin. It's about understanding. And, and uh, like Isaiah, when he fell down, he said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst unclean people. You know, this is, this is the response that we as the people of God need to beg God for his mercy. Amen. Amen. Switching on to another topic. Uh, does Starbucks know the cappuccino was invented by a saintly warrior monk who actually fought on the Crusades? Yep. Many are familiar with this iconic drink, the cappuccino, which consists of coffee and broth milk or froth milk. However, few people are aware of the drink's Catholic origin attributed to Blessed Marco di Aviano, a Capuchin friar from Venice. Yeah, Blessed di Aviano was a highly respected friar of the 17th century. His admiral life was full of zealous pastoral work, heroic acts of charity, absolute fidelity to the Holy Catholic Church. However, the leadership role of, of this intepid soul was forever etched into history during the siege of Vienna. So what happened? In 1683, the Muslim Turkish army, they were the world power back then, they advanced with great strides in Europe, brutally pillaging and conquering new territories. To halt this onslaught, Pope Innocent XI appointed uh, Blessed Marco de Aviano as the Apostolic Nuncio and Papal Legate of Vienna with with the mission of uniting the Holy League formed by Christians of Austria, Poland, Venice, and other Papal States to kind of stave off the Muslim attacks. When the blessed monk first arrived, he was faced with the challenge of restoring the, of the wavering morale of the Christian soldiers 
who had already suffered immensely from Turkish Muslim aggression. Through his fiery preaching, he was able to spark a flame in the hearts of, of, of these men and managed to unite the Holy League, thus giving the Christian forces a fighting chance. This unity gave the Catholics the strength needed to stop the Muslim Turks at the siege of Vienna and eventually forced them out of Europe, thus ending the Turkish Muslim terror. So this Capuchin fire put, fire put faith into action. God's intervention, along with Blessed Monaco's prayers and pastoral work, was the driving force of this victory. And so after the Catholic Christians expelled the Muslim Turks from the gates of Vienna, Austria, numerous treasures were discovered and left by the enemy, including hundreds of bags filled with coffee beans. At first, the brew was disliked because of its overpowering bitter taste, but Blessed Diaviano perfected the rough beverage by adding milk as a sweetener. This new drink spread like wildfire throughout Europe, so in the monk's honor, the drink was named Capuchin because it was the name of the religious order to which Blessed Marco belonged, along with the fact that the drink matches the color of the traditional habit worn by the, by the, by the religious order. So what's the takeaway? Here's the takeaway. Good coffee, a product of Christian civilization, many hidden gems inspired by Christian civilization like the cappuccino still exist in our neo-pagan world. Marvels are created in every field of life, including something as simple as a good cup of coffee where souls seek perfection and are open to the grace of God. So for 338 years, people have enjoyed the cappuccino even in our godless culture, Starbucks makes a fortune selling a product invented by a saintly warrior monk who fought off the Islamic invasion of Austria in 1683. And it makes you wonder if society once again, uh, once again embraced Christian order, how many more good things would, would God not inspire man to create that would give us a taste of heaven here on earth? Last thing I'll remind you, remember... On September 11th, 1683, Islam was defeated at the gates of Vienna, Austria by a saintly monk who invented cappuccino and the relief force led by King John Sobieski from Poland and his heroic faithful winged hussars. Uh, Paul, just, that just a little Catholic uh, snippet of history that a lot of people, next time they drink a cup of cappuccino, they'll say, wow, thanks to this... Uh, the the saint blessed avian the aviano paul what say you a, a lot of people including myself <laughs> that's uh, you know you, you asked the question if starbucks realized that uh, you know i don't think m most of us realize that but we often say and, and mention on the program how you know our western culture has been shaped by the church and this yes. is just one more example uh you know, you talk about hospitals and, you know, so forth. Orphanages and, and universities. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those, those, you know, those things were, you know, brought into uh, society by the church. And uh, uh, listen, um, there's, you know, when, when the church is um, on the, on the march, Jess, when we are on the move through history, great things happen because why? Because God is a father to us, and what father doesn't want to bless his children with all kinds of good things, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's unfortunate how, um, again, when we, the church, um, 
become unfaithful, when we become prodigal, when we become prodigal sons, you know, there's only one, um, you know, there's only one result that can come about, and that is um, the unwinding of society. It's That's being right. Undone. It's being dismantled, brick by brick. Yep. Yes. Paul, here's one last thing I want to mention. Just uh, all of us were in some given. Every everybody probably remembers where they were at <laughs> September 11th, uh, what 2001, the the days uh, the day when we were attacked by by 19 terrorists that hijacked two planes. Uh, Osama bin Laden's laptop was was recovered in the hills of Tora Bora by by our special forces, by our elite forces. And and some of the information was made public. In his laptop, I remember reading 20 years ago that that Saddam, uh, this, uh, I mean, um, what's his name? Uh, the terror, yeah, ben, that, thank you, Ben Laden. Osama Ben, ben Laden, Laden. Mm-hmm. yeah, Ben Laden said in his laptop that was released, it was made public, that he chose to attack the United States of America, September 11th, as an act of revenge for for Catholics defeating the Muslim Turks, September 11th, 1683. So that date was specifically picked by bin Laden to send the 19 hijackers in atonement or in revenge uh, for, for the defeat that Islam experienced September 11th, 1683 at the hands of uh, King Sobieski and this great saintly monk, Blessed Aviano. A little bit of history. Great history. Uh, great to point that out because uh, it, it just shows you how they view uh, Christianity as being inseparable from Western society. That's right. You got it. Bingo. We're done. That's a wrap. Terry and Jesse show. We're out. We'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. Don't, don't, don't forget. Live and die in a state of grace. Pray your rosary every day. Read your Bible every day. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we'll see you next time. Long live Christ the King.